and welcome to Things We're Too Lazy to Blog About. I'm Amanda Lauren, and I'm with my co-host, Allie Levine. Hey, hey, hey. And we are on the line with, are you Tara or Tara? I fucked it up. (laughs) It's Tara. Tara, Tara Mackey, who um, has a blog called, and I literally had it in front of me, but it's dry January, and I'm a total fried burnout right now. It's called The Organic Life. It's called The Organic Life. And I'm not re-recording this intro, so this will be very, very funny um, when, people, when people listen to this. Um, and you have a book called Cured by Nature. So I want to know how you started your blog. And you have a really interesting story. So please tell us about it. Sure, totally. So I actually started blogging um, over half my life ago at this point. When I was 14 years old, I started on LiveJournal. What, what? <laughs> my first LiveJournal. Um, and like right before 9-11, actually. So I started blogging before 9-11. And then I think for me, it was really a way to like process and deal with my feelings. I was a very socially awkward kid. Um, at that point, even I was already on my first medication, which we'll get into in a second. So I was already a medicated child at 14 years old. And so the internet for me and blogging and live journal and that whole community was a way for me to connect with other people because I wasn't a social person. I went to small schools too. So, you know, I only had like a classroom of 10 other kids to connect with to begin with. So um, I was raised really sheltered. And so for me, like live journal and blogging and those kind of platforms was not only a, a form of therapy, a way for me to sit down and put my emotions down on paper at night and share them with people, but also to get feedback and con- to connect with people in a way that I really wasn't comfortable doing any other way. So for me, it it has transitioned, of course, from Live Journal to The Organic Life, which um, so seven years ago, I actually came off of over 14 pharmaceutical drugs, cold turkey. Um, I'd been on many of them for 11 years. Yeah, it was... Um, I don't recommend it. I never would. Um, It was three years of withdrawal and then, you know, two more years of trying to figure out what getting healthy meant. And I talk about it in my book, Cured by Nature, and I write about it a lot on my blog, my experience with withdrawal. Um, But I was put on my first pharmaceutical drug at 13 um, because both my biological parents are drug addicts and alcoholics. And I had watched my mom overdose when I was a kid and my grandparents had had gotten custody of me. Yeah. Um, and so after that experience, you know, they sent me to therapy and everything. Um, and I was really doing very well, but my mother actually overdosed in front of me again, um, or relapsed in front of me again when I was a teenager. And like two months later, I got put on lithium, um, and diagnosed with a mood disorder. So I think that was more of a response of what I had been through more so than, you know, a real true evaluation of my mental state. I mean, especially looking back, like when you look at the symptoms of bipolar disorder, which I was diagnosed with, and you look at not only what I was going through in my life at that point, but, but even the symptoms, like I don't, I didn't have any of the symptoms. Like I was, I was doing well in school. I was a straight A student. I'd never like run away. I'd never done drugs. Mm -hmm. I'd never drank. I, I was a good kid, you know? And not only that, I was like a nerdy kid. So, and I didn't have, you know, money to spend or anything. So a lot of these things just weren't really adding up. But regardless, by the time I was 24, I was on 14 different drugs. And so that was the year um, I finally decided to quit. And it wasn't really an overnight decision. I mean, it was definitely a, I had that one moment where I decided and realized that drugs were a huge culprit in 
my unhappiness and my health, which was failing. I mean, I was in my early twenties and I was in the hospital like every two weeks for septic kidney infections. And I mean, my body was shutting down. I wasn't going to be around too much longer. And it was from drugs. You know, I I didn't go out of my way to get any of these things. I, they all had my name on them. They were all prescribed to me. All my doctors knew I was on more drugs, like other drugs. I wasn't trying to trick anybody. Um, like I feel like it's a very pervasive now where people will go to different hospitals and, and I've worked in the healthcare industry. Um, and I've seen that I've worked in emergency services and places where people go to do that. And they have a system in place now a lot better than they did then to catch those kinds of things. But I wasn't a part of that system. I was, and I had really shitty health insurance. Like, let's put it this way. I had social services. I was on food stamps. Like I wasn't seeing the best doctors. So we'll put that out there too. It wasn't like I was seeing the best people who were trying to do the best thing for my care. These were doctors that were not getting paid to see me. So they wanted me in and out of their office as quickly as humanly possible. Um, and I think that was part of the problem and still is. I'll tell you though, that's part of the situation, but I've had, and I was, and I've talked about it on the podcast and we'll get into it some more, but I just want to say like, I had really Mm -hmm. good, I've had so many good expensive doctors who were so totally irresponsible. It didn't really make a difference. It was like, they were just in it for, for money and not because, not for anything else. I am a hundred percent convinced. So I, I don't necessarily, I mean, I don't think it helps if you are, you know, if you don't have good insurance, but just because right. you have good insurance, at least in my experience, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get any better care. Oh, that's very true. And, and I feel like the, the problem really starts with the education system. It's not the doctor's fault. This is what they're all taught to do. They're all taught the same thing. It's just, you know, yeah, when, when you're getting paid more money, I think you, you're incentivized to care more, but that doesn't mean you're going to make better decisions. I think for us, our health is really what I've come to find is our health. Nobody knows us the way that we do. A doctor can't possibly sit with you every moment of the day and, and go through every little stimuli that you come across because that all has an effect on our health. So it was just for me, like this larger revelation of, I have to do the work. A pill is not going to do the work. I've tried pills for 11 years and that hasn't done anything. You know, I tried to take my own life in March of 2011 and I didn't feel anything. Like I literally sliced open my whole left arm and felt nothing. And I was like, okay, like something has to change because I was expected to get angry or something. Like, I mean, I felt absolutely nothing. And that's when I really realized that like, I didn't want to die. Like, first of all, dying didn't scare me, which scared me. <laughs> and, yeah, um, but I realized I didn't want to die. You know, I just wanted to live a good life and, uh, dying wasn't the way to do that. Yeah, no, that's, that's really scary. And for someone who's lost people from suicide, who actually went through with it and actually made that decision, like, I mean, you should be so grateful that you came to that conclusion and realize that like you were scared like you weren't scared to die and that was something to be afraid of and that you wanted to better your life and like actually you know still be here because it's like I say to so many people because I do a lot of charities with suicide awareness and it's like it's a like a temporary solution like it's like a permanent solution to a temporary problem yeah and I had just lost my best friend to suicide in January of 2011 and so when I was at that point of taking my own life literally like 7 weeks later I was like, "Whoa, shit, like this didn't help anything. Like her parents are a mess. 
we're all a mess. Like no one knows. I wasn't talking to anybody at that. Like none of that group, that group of friends had basically all disbanded within like weeks of her death because we all kind of blamed ourselves and because we'd seen it coming. But on the other hand, when somebody threatens to do that for so long, like over a decade, you, at some point you stop taking it seriously because you can't take it seriously every time because if you did, you wouldn't be able to actually hang out with that person. So I think we all felt a little like shit. Like I knew this was coming, but somehow I didn't see it. And I feel like I could have stopped it, but that's a dumb thing to feel, but you have all those emotions in the beginning, you know? And then, so when I was at that point and then I still like almost went through with it, I was like, wow, that was dumb. I already knew that wasn't going to solve anything. I would have devastated everybody. Like I have a dog that I, no one else can take care of without me. Like, oh. wait a minute, what am I even doing? Like, I think it was just, and I, when I, I try to remind people too, that I was still on drugs at that point. So it wasn't like I was thinking clearly. Clearly, I was not. Right. I was on 14 yeah, different sure. drugs, including right. Valium and Xanax at the same time. Like, I was, it was not a good situation. So, um, but that's where it will lead you. Like, some of these drugs have real side effects, including the exact thing you're trying to avoid, like suicidal tendencies. Um, and so, you know, I partially blame the drugs as well. I hate to, you know, put a, of course it was my fault. Those are my actions, but like I was numb for a reason. And so I think that was a huge part of the light that went off in my head of like, okay, this isn't working. Being on the drugs isn't working. Like I want to feel something and I want to feel good. And I couldn't even remember the last time I felt anything, never mind felt good or felt happiness. So that to me was a huge catalyst for my change. And then blogging became a way of documenting that as I went through it, once I made that decision. So you started out, so you had the live journal. What did you write on your, on your live journal? Cause I was someone else used to have a live journal. I forget who it was, who was like sort of interesting. Oh, this know. makes for a great podcast that I can't think of this. But what what did you what did you put on there and how did that evolve to your current blog? So my live journal was like a depressed kid's diary back in the day, you know, it would be like these like a bunch of photos from my day and then like a cryptic message or some poem I'd written or something about how my boyfriend sucked. And like, that was pretty much it. (laughs) And when I changed my life and broke up with my boyfriend and cut out toxic relationships, and honestly, I detoxed from the internet. I think this is important to note is that before I restarted my blog, I I did a little internet social media detox for like a good year. Um, Because, yeah, because, which is like unimaginable now, like (laughs) basically only Facebook and, um, 2011 when I did this. So it wasn't like that hard to give it up, but, um, it's, it's still interesting because it did really help. Like it let me focus on me. I gave up my TVs. Like I stopped reading the newspaper. I just like wanted to focus on getting better and withdrawal was so bad that I couldn't really read anyway or watch TV or even remotely think about like really hanging out with people for a few weeks. So yeah, I did a little social media, you know, blog detox. I deleted my live journal for a while. 
And then I came back and started just kind of documenting my journey on WordPress, which has now turned into The Organic Life, and very quickly did actually turn into The Organic Life. In oct- I, went, I, did, I came off my medication in um, New York and then through detox uh, there for a few months, and then I moved out to California in October. And really when I moved out to California, I started blogging more on the organic life about restaurants I was going to and about my road trip and sharing photos from my trip from New York to California and just tips and tricks and things I was learning along the way. And like, it really evolved from a place to go with my grievances to a place to go with things I was like super passionate and excited about and like really stoked to share with other people. And so that's, I think that's a huge part of the reason why I called it the organic life is because things were happening so naturally and so organically for me that it just felt fitting and still does. That's so, that's so interesting. It's, it's strange. It's like, it's so funny. I was thinking the other day and I'm sure Allie knows what it's like when your blog evolves, when you're like, Oh wow, this is so, this is so different. Like I was just even like, I remember last year I totally redid my blog. And then this mm-hmm. year I was doing, I have this, it's sort of like ridiculous. I say it's ridiculous. It's really not because people love it. But during award season, I do this thing called dressing like the stars, which I really should have given a better title to <laughs> where I find dresses similar to what celebrities wear to award shows. And I'm like doing, and I'm, you know, doing the golden globes. And I'm like, this is so even like compared to last year, I just feel like this, this like column, this, you know, regular thing that I have, it's just totally evolved. So how, how has your blog evolved since when you've started it and how has your life evolved? Oh my God. Um, so I was really sick when I first started my blog and I made no qualms about telling people that, um, So I actually didn't tell anyone that I had come off my drugs for a year. I didn't tell my family. I like three of my friends knew. Um, And so I finally started when I finally told my, I told them first because I want them to find out on the internet. And yeah, they were like, wow, uh, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm actually fine. I just like wanted to wait a year. So you guys knew that, you know, we'd been communicating this whole time and stuff. And I'd flown out there to see them a bunch because at that point my dad had just been diagnosed with cancer. So I was going out there to help him with treatment. And, um, you know, when I told them, I was like, you know, you guys had a lot going on and I didn't want to worry you, but you know, I've been fine. I'm getting healthier. Like I moved, I look better. I have a tan, (laughs) like my (laughs) skin's better, like everything, you know, my hair's longer, like just, they could see that it was working. And so they really couldn't say anything at that point. So once I told them, I started blogging about it. And, um, a lot of people who were reading my blog, who had read my blog online journal knew that I had been on all these drugs for a really long time. And so I think a huge part of the draw for people was this girl is insane. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. let's, let's see how long this lasts. Let's, what this looks like you know let's like see if this is for real kind of thing because I think a lot of people were like whoa you know I was the poster child for being medicated and so if I can come off all these drugs or and perhaps I mean I think for people it was more like wait if you've been off these drugs does that mean you never needed them and that was like the larger question yeah (laughs) what 
Yeah, that was the larger question that I had to ask, start asking myself after a year or two years of like, wait, I never needed these things. And so I think that was the draw for people at first. And then when I started providing people with the alternative solutions for drugs I had taken, which is a huge part of my blog of just like, you know, swap this for this or this helps with this. I try not to do, you know, actual swap this kind of drug for this herb. It's just I'll do these very general posts about treating depression, treating anxiety, treating all these things that I suffered with for so long that no one ever gave me a natural or alternative or um, mind and body connecting solution to that I think my blog has evolved as from a place for me to explore what works to a place where I get to share what I know has changed my life and cured me from things that I was told I was going to be suffering from forever and was going to need to take medication for, for the rest of my life. So, um, for me, I'm really actually happy and excited. Like when I write posts now, it's, it's in-depth research that I've done on myself, on my friends, on my dogs, whatever it is, (laughs) on my fiance for like many months at a time. And then I'm super, super stoked to like share that information with people and answer questions and get feedback and give feedback and, you know, talk about it for months on end. Like that's, that's where it's evolved to. And I'm really excited because it's grown more into like an educational platform for people, which I always, you know, when I was majoring in genetics and when I wanted to do bio and I wanted to help people and I wanted to be a source of education and health for people. And so the fact that I get to do that now and live that, and share that is so freaking cool. Yeah, that's really amazing and inspiring. And I think a lot of people who get to that dark place or, you know, think they can't come out of it, it like finding your book and finding your blog and checking things out, I think would inspire them and make them realize like they're not alone in it. And I think there's so many people that go through, you know, all different types of depressions and different types of feelings like that whether it be from drugs or not from drugs that come off of these, you know, crazy highs and crazy lows. Or just difficult times in their life. Like when you were saying like you were, you know, that you tried to commit suicide after your, after your friend did, well, you had a lot of grief, like, you know, like you weren't thinking clearly. I mean, well, it wasn't Mm -hmm. just the drugs. I'm sure it's, it's grief as well that can really influence people. I mean, it influences all of us. Yes. Yes. So what would you say, like, you know, going through all this and now having your blog and, you know, all these things that have come for you in a positive light, like what would be some advice and, you know, possible like inspiration or something that you would say to, you know, our listeners um, that they could take away from this and that maybe that they should also try to hone in on in their own way to help them, you know, with certain things that they are struggling with, whether it be everyday trials of life or actual things that are really, truly, you know, heavily depressing them, you know, without obviously like giving medical advice in your own opinion, what you've been through and you've been through a lot, you know, what what kind of advice would you give? Um, So I always tell people to do two things. One, listen to your intuition because so many of us ignore it or we're never taught how to listen to it to begin with. And I think like when I started to really recognize how many of my own actions had led to where I was in life and just take responsibility without judgment, 
just to say, okay, like I put myself here. I put these people in my life. I made these choices. And all I have to do is do better next time. When I have another choice, which like is almost every moment of every day, I can do better next time. And like that to me was one of the most empowering things. So, and I think we all have that. Our intuition tells all of us when we haven't done what we knew we needed to be doing in that moment to improve. And then I think standing guard at the door to your own mind, like for me, that is the most important thing to continue to remember day in and day out that like, like I said, a pill is not going to do the work. Another person is not going to do the work. A therapist is not going to do the work. These, these things, these people, people around you, books, podcasts like this, educational tools, they can lead you to a certain place. They can inspire you. They can get you up in the morning, but they're not going to put your running shoes on for you. They're not going to make that healthy meal. They're not going to choose better. You have to choose better and, and recognize what influences around you are, are having an impact on your daily decisions because those decisions are what really adds up little by little to who we really are and how we really feel. And then how we feel, you know, feeds into who we become, what we say yes to, what we say no to, what kind of job we take, if we have kids, you know, what kind of partner we have. And so I think, you know, realizing that we have the power in those little moments to shape who we are was the most empowering thing for me because I had spent so long giving my power away to to pills and to other people and to doctors and to labels and God, please take it. Please take my power. I don't want it, you know? And then like, once you realize that we all have that, I'm not any different from anyone else. No one taught me how to quit anything. I'd grown up with heroin addicts. I hadn't had one single like example in my life of someone really saying no to something. And so I don't think I'm particularly gifted when it comes to quitting drugs or quitting alcohol or whatever. I just have gotten really good at recognizing when something's holding me back and letting that thing go. And sometimes you don't have to let it go forever. But like, I think recognizing when, you know, we're, we can improve and we can do better and and recognizing that we are the ones that have that power. That's the advice that I give to everyone is like, that's your superpower. Don't give that up. That's your gift for being human. You get to make a choice every moment of every day. That's fucking awesome. We should all embrace that shit because I have a feeling that's the reason we were put on this earth. I love that. You're like so inspirational. I'm like sitting here and I'm like, wow. What a way to start Monday morning. Yeah, this is, this is like amazing. Um, You know, what's really interesting too, because you said about doctors and alternatives, you know, what I find really frustrating is that, and, and I've seen this in, and I can't say what private Facebook group, because sometimes we talk on the podcast about things that go on in private Facebook groups and I don't want to violate anyone if but um you know if people are like depressed you know they ask about other people's experiences with medication or they have anxiety and I think like they're great places for that but at the same time one thing I've noticed and like as someone who really suffers from anxiety especially especially like quitting weed but you know but before the past seven days when I wanted to you know cut a bitch um I found that like I actually got off of antidepressants. I was on Wellbutrin and I was on such a low dose and I'm just like, this seems really pointless. Let me try to get off it. So I did. But one Mm -hmm. thing that I've I've noticed is like, no one says to someone like, okay, like 
just hit the gym or just go exercise. Like, even if you don't like to exercise, like, like just go hike, like throw on a podcast, you know, preferably yeah. our podcast, but, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. no one tells you or no one says like, cause I mean, and I'm sure, I don't know for us, like, I do think people are over medicated. I do think some people really do need medication, you know? Yeah. And- let me, let me give you a little example of how over medicated we are. Walgreens. Mm-hmm. Sold enough drugs last year for every man, woman, and child to be in this in this country to be on three drugs at the same time. That seems, and that's insane. just one pharmacy. <laughs> so clearly, we're over medicated. Like I know for a fact, we're over medicated. I, as a hundred pound human being, was on fourteen different drugs, none of which I needed. Apparently, <laughs> I've been off them all for seven years. I haven't taken a single pharmaceutical drug for anything. Never mind any of the stuff that I was diagnosed with. So I know for a fact we're over-medicated, period. I say that all the time. Sorry. I'm like, we are a pill-popping society. Like, we are so over-medicated. Like, I get it. Some people need certain things, but it's so true. Like, like, Or maybe they need one thing and not seven. Not seven things. Exactly. It's like, like, and they'll put you on one thing to start, and then all of a sudden it's like, by the way, the side effects are going to be this. Now I'm going to put you on this to offset that. But then this will help offset this. And all of a sudden you have a box in front of you of all these pills, and it's like, what the fuck was I starting this for? Like, I, I completely agree with yep. you. being pregnant and going through like all different medical things that I've had to go through and just like really learning about what I truly feel is right for my body and for my child and all these things. Like I've done so much research now on like vaccines and medicines. And just like, even when like I got a stupid UTI being pregnant, oh. like my doctor like immediately wanted mm-hmm. to put me on this like high dosage of an antibiotic. And I was just like, I don't know how I feel about that. And I like, did all this research. And then I ended up deciding to put me on something else that was like a lower whatever. And it didn't work. So I was right about my instinct. Mm. And I was like, I'm not doing another higher dosage. And they're like, well, I want to put you on this and then this. And I was like, no, I'm not comfortable. So anyways, long story short, I have a doula. And I asked her like what I should do. And she was like, I would try to go like more natural way and do like live probiotics and change this up, mm-hmm. do this with your diet. And within a week, it was gone. And I was like, I went back I've to the doctor. I've cleared up UTIs too. Yep. Really? Yeah. And I went back to the doctor. Yes. Like, oh, did you take the, you know, the pills? And I'm like, no, I did not take the prescription. I did live probiotics and it's gone and I'm fine. She was like, oh. So it's like, I think it's really important, like you said, to always question like what is being given to you and why and like what are the side effects and do you really need it? And what are you taking? And like, I know Amanda yep. can also really heavily like speak and understand yeah. from that because when she was young, they put her on. I was on, singing. I was on like Ritalin and Adderall and all those things starting when I was eight years old. And I really feel like, yeah. although, oh yeah. And my parents, this is the thing, like, look, I'm from the Upper East Side of Manhattan. My parents, I'm really lucky, had a lot of resources, but I feel like they mm-hmm. were totally they, they were so like, I think scared almost like I was going to come out to just be a totally unproductive person that they, I think people took advantage of them. And what I've come to sort of discover, um, I Googled the name of my original doctor and basically a lot of people said online, this guy just pushes pills. And my mom described him too. Like, Oh, this guy was my first doctor. Really? Yep. Oh, and by yeah, the way, I looked him up recently a, and somebody really? was like, this kid just, uh, this guy just gives pills. He gave pills to my kid. He doesn't treat anybody. Like everybody should run as far away as they humanly can. And I think I'm going to leave a little review too, just to let everyone know that he, you know, gave me pills upon pills upon pills for many years. And clearly I didn't need any of them. 
So, and, and like you said, I don't think it, I grew up in New York and you know, I, we didn't, I had shitty health insurance later on, but as a kid, I was under my grandparents' health insurance. It wasn't that bad. We went to really good hospitals and saw really good psychiatrists, but it was the same thing. I think that my psychiatrist saw that my grandparents were raising their, this brand new kid. They didn't know what they were doing. They were scared I was going to end up like my mom. I'd just seen something traumatic. They'd sent me to therapy forever. They tried everything and they didn't want me to turn out to be a fuck up. So they put me on medication and I don't, and I've had parents come to me whose kids are about to fail kindergarten or whatever. And are like, Mm -hmm. my doctor wants to put him on this narcotic that, or, you know, something that the kid could get in trouble for taking to school with them. Cause it's like some schedule two narcotic that's an ADD medication. And I'm like, listen, here's the thing though. If you put your child on this at four years old and they develop problems from this, they're going to blame you. If they just don't graduate from kindergarten and they have to repeat kindergarten, they'll blame themselves, but they'll get over it. Like if they spend their life blaming you, there's no escape from that. If they have to look at themselves and, and overcome some obstacles, that's part of life. Like, but if you give this to a kid and they have a lifelong twitch, guess who they're going to point the finger at? You. Cause four year old them didn't decide to go on medication. You put them on medication. And I wouldn't blame them for blaming you, honestly, because I think as parents, we should be looking to do better, you know? I agree, especially now. Like, and I'm, you know, I don't think my parents had as much information back then as people have now. And I think now Mm -hmm. there is really no, you know, I do think it's, I'm not totally against medicating children, but I am totally Mm -hmm. against doing it irresponsibly and Mm -hmm. not not really like making a plan because what happened to me was, and I'm sure it's the same thing that happened to you is that like, I just kept being prescribed this stuff and then it was college. So obviously like I'm going to be on it in college. And then Mm -hmm. after my mom is like, maybe you should get off it. When I'm like, well, I'm just so used to taking it and everyone is so willing to write it and no one, like there's no like exit strategy and there's no like, maybe you should try like, Oh, you're anxious instead of like, taking because at one point I had been through something long story short a friend of mine stole a shit ton of money from me and I it was really Uh, traumatic because she had been lying about it was like a lifetime movie long story short and I at that point I had gone on Valium because I was so fucking overwhelmed I needed Valium but no one said like okay go on it for a few weeks because like you like it was totally appropriate for a little while um but then Mm -hmm. you know why don't you try this that or the Uh, Like no one, no one makes any suggestions. People just sort of push pills because it provides a solution, but it's not really a solution. It's a bandaid. It's a pill. And and these doctors, by the way, make thousands and thousands and thousands in kickbacks. And it's cut down a little bit in the past few years. But like, don't think that doctor that prescribed it to you 10 years ago, 15 years ago, wasn't making, you know, enough from these doctors, these pharmaceuticals to send their kids to college every year. Oh, for sure. For sure. And when I met other, I ended up becoming friends with somebody who went to, whose mother went to my same psychiatrist. And I ended up talking to her in high school and she was on the exact same medication at the exact same dosage that I was on as a high schooler. And that was the first time to me that I was like, ding, 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 red flags. Like, why is someone's mom who's in their 50s on the same exact medication at the same dosage that I am? 
and we see the same doctor. Like, that's really strange to me. Does no one else think that's strange? Like, wait a second. And so, yeah, the doctors get contacts. They have other incentives. And what's weird to me is when you go to the doctor and you say, hey, I meditated and it worked for my anxiety or I took this probiotic and it helped my UTI, why do the doctors, why are they not required to like write that down somewhere or update their information or update the things that they tell patients? It was infuriating to me even when my dad, you know, when I was going through this and I was telling doctors what worked and then I didn't see him writing anything down or I'm like, are you going to tell like your future patients that they can like save their life this way? Or are you just going to listen to me and walk away? Like it's crazy that they're not required to, when they hear some suggestion that's not in their medical books to take that into consideration and have to bring that to some kind of board or something like it's, it's nuts. And when I watched my dad go through cancer, he had this very rare brain cancer that they never actually found out what it was. But what was killing me was they were just like, okay, we don't know what it is done instead of like, well, are you going to put this in any kind of bank so that if you find someone else who has the cancer, you can match it to this one? Or you're just going to like, be like, oh no, well, we don't have a match. So we're done. Like there are clearly these gaps in the healthcare system that are preventing us from moving forward in wellness because we're not updating ourselves on what works. We're just taking things at face value that you're taught as a physician and that's your only requirement. I mean, you don't have to, like when you see doctors that are like older and they graduated from med school in like the 1950s, they're not required to like really update themselves. They have these like minimum requirements they have to meet, but they don't really have to do anything different than they were doing 25, 35 years ago. So it's like, it seems insane to me that they should, that there is no, but you want to know something really interesting. Um, a family member of mine had surgery, had like plastic surgery, actually, this was uh, 10, 15 years ago and was taking Uh ginkgo biloba and her eyes were bleeding. Wow. (gasps) Bleeding. Because it turned out you can't take ginkgo biloba because it, I might thin your blood. And, like, the doctor didn't even ask her. And, like, most people take, like, I don't know. I think, like, this, most people take vitamins and herbs. Like, it's not like that uncommon, especially in, like, New York or California. Like, it's it's not all that uncommon. And they didn't ask her. And so she didn't tell them. And she didn't think to tell them. And it caused major medical complications. And the point is, like... Now, and by the way, ginkgo biloba is is good for you, but some, but you know, like anything, these things can have side effects. But I think mm-hmm. the main reason why no one gives a shit is because no one can make money from it, and that that yeah, really you can't pat- they can't patent a plant, and they can't patent these naturopathic remedies, so they're not encouraged to sell them and talk about them, and it's unfortunate because they've done things like you know they have. Um, valerian, which is Valium's natural alternative. They have that. You have that in every single pharmacy. You have that in your local Whole Foods. You have that in Sprouts. And like a doctor should be required to tell you that there is a natural alternative before they prescribe you Valium, and they don't. And if you go in there and tell them that you know that, they'll be very impressed, but they won't tell the next patient. It's, you know, so, I've had doctors, though, I've had doctors, though, who have made a lot of money selling the expensive vitamins, oh, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I bet. Very yeah. Expensive <laughs> um, 
and you know, and other other things like that. So th- there are there are some, but unless again, unless like the, it helps their bottom line, it doesn't. I don't really think it it affects them. Um, so I wanted to know as well, what do you suggest for for someone who's listening? Like, what are your favorite? What are your favorite herbs? What are your favorite stuff? So my favorite vitamins. Um, so I actually love, I think every woman in the world should be taking DIM, um, because it's an estrogen regulator. So, um, and especially if you have acne, hormonal acne, cystic acne, if you battle dullness in your skin, anything, you should be taking DIM, specifically DIM plus by nature's way. Um, that's the best DIM that I've found. And the great thing about it being an estrogen regulator is whether you're estrogen dominant or testosterone dominant, it's doesn't mess with that. It literally just goes in there and figures out really what's going on with your body and then balances it. Wait, I'm sorry. So what's testosterone dominant? Wait, wait, wait. What is this? I think, cause I feel like this is a real, I've always thought I have very high testosterone cause I'm not very emotionally, very um, girly. And I've, oh, I've never yeah. had anything tested, but I'm always convinced I have like a slightly higher level of it. So, so what, what is that? Yeah. If you, you'll know if you have like really bad cystic acne sometimes, well, sometimes you you can be really estrogen dominant and have that too, but most of the time you're testosterone dominant. If you get acne like around your jawline, um, or if it like gets really deep or yeah, if you just feel like a low sex drive or not very, not very feminine, I have very high testosterone too. And like, I even have a lower voice and stuff that I feel like might be (laughs) part of that. But DIM has definitely helped to like, it solves all that stuff. Trust me. Like I try to explain to everybody, especially when I first came off all my drugs and I like felt disgusting and I had like literally zero sex drive and I didn't want to touch anybody. And like I started taking dim and I was like, all right, I'm kind of feeling myself. Like (laughs) maybe I'll go out and meet some people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I try to tell like, you know, if you feel like listless or anything, speaking of feeling listless, GABA, I think is, is a top one that I try to tell everybody. We all definitely need some GABA because um, it's, especially if you're actually taking pharmaceutical drugs, although if you are taking pharmaceutical drugs before you take any supplements, consult your doctor, of course. Don't just blindly listen mm-hmm. to me. But um, but if you're taking pharmaceuticals, if you're coming off, if you're not, we all need GABA. It's basically our brain juice. It's like what keeps everything, all of our neurons firing, everything connected, everything like talking to each other. It's our brain connector. And it also gets, what sucks is you like need GABA for optimum mood function and brain balance. And what happens when you take pharmaceutical drugs is that they are GABA inhibitors. So they will literally deplete and inhibit the amount of GABA that your brain not only makes, but has to use. So all those lovely pharmaceuticals that they're telling you are making you happier are actually blocking your brain from sending signals that allow you to be at your happiest. Um, I'm not saying they don't work. I'm just saying that, they prevent your brain from being happy. So I don't really know how they're supposed to work, but like mm-hmm. sure they do other stuff. Um, but I, so I think we should all be taking GABA and then definitely um, magnesium is a huge one, especially for anxiety, which we all suffer from at least a little bit. Um, if you don't mm-hmm. have anxiety, you're not paying attention. Uh, yeah. Uh, We all need magnesium and it comes in like powdered form. You can put it in your water, your meals, your tea, your coffee. Although I don't recommend drinking coffee if you're having anxiety, but, um, 
you just can't give it up. Um, it goes in but everything. What so, do you, you like? I love nature's calm or natural calm. It's called. Wait, is that you know like that a one? blue box? Yeah, you know okay, it. What you mean? Yeah. Yeah, natural calm. It comes. Yeah, it's a blue box, or it comes in like a little plastic container. Um, they sold on Amazon. It's uh, raspberry flavored, and they have like a, an orange one and one that doesn't taste like anything. I like the unflavored one because I can put it in everything. Do you? When do you drink it? I start first thing in the morning. I put it in what I'm drinking right now, which is like a hot cocoa chamomile mix. And mm-hmm. at night and throughout the day, if I feel like it, I, I kind of make my own powders where I'll put like uh, cacao and ginger and like a little bit of GABA and magnesium. And then I'll just like put that in my tea throughout the day. So I don't have mm-hmm. to, you know, go get everything at once. So that's what I recommend. If you have a bunch of things you need to take, just make it into one little powder, drop that powder into whatever you're drinking. Cause you should be hydrating yourself throughout the day too, for uh, optimum skin and, mood health as well water like really when we get dehydrated it can really start to affect oh no I've been hospitalized three times for dehydration and I drink water all day long I get I get I mean not that you're hospitalized I mean it was like years ago but like I guess what happened was I'm really dehydrated like in general like as I take allergy medicine. So I get really dehydrated. And then I had like a very unlucky streak of like the flu and food poisoning. And I had to have IVs. And like, this was like in a okay. six week period. Yeah. Oh, Dan, that'll do it. It'll, it, it happens. Like I, you know, it is, it is what it is, but I'm very, ever since then, I like, especially make sure that I'm like, Allie knows I always have bottles of water with yeah. me mm-hmm. all the time. I'm always like, I'm out of water. I need to take a bottle of water for the yeah. car. Like when I drive home from her house, cause because she's pregnant, we've mostly been recording here. Yeah. So yeah, that's, yeah. she's always know. like, she's like, I'm going to take more water bottles. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I, I drink like, all of her water. water. I'm like, that's okay. We have a lot of water here because I'm pregnant and we always need have water so it's all good we shared the water yeah i was i know like one day when you you know what ali's moving i'm gonna have cases of water delivered what do you think is good for anxiety you were saying something was like nature's valium uh yeah valerian so valerian, valerian is one of my yeah, one of my favorite herbs for anxiety. I recommend everybody start with um, the magnesium and valerian for sure. I'm totally getting that later today because I am ever since I quit weed a fucking week ago. I feel like this has been like a month. I know. I was gonna say I feel like this has been like a month. It's been like I know. That no, but it's been like it's just been so fucking miserable. Um, it really has. I been. personally think you should just eat some edibles and get it over with. I know. She That's what. <laughs> I but feel like I need stuff that she needs to learn. I, I feel like that. I know it's you know I'm not like edible. Well, first of all, I vape. I don't. I yeah. Sometimes I have an edible, but mostly. And the joke is like now it's legal. I literally quit the day it became legal. legal. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I'm that because I'm really that lame. Um, but it's funny. I just feel like I only usually smoke. I mean, I'll smoke during the day, like in the summer in front of, I mean, look like you're, you're in Southern California, you know, it's a nice day, you sit by the pool, whatever. But, Mm -hmm. um, every, it's every night for months now. And so I need to find something to, to replace the weed, especially if I get pregnant, you know, in the next year. Oh, yeah. Preparing yourself. You got to get ready. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, so Valerian, yeah. Valerian is definitely a good start if you're trying to replace weed. I think Skullcap is another good one. I take Skullcap um, for pain, but it's a natural sedative no matter which way you look at it, and so it works for anxiety as well. So can you get all of this at, like, Whole Foods or just, like, a health food store? Yeah, you can get it at the health food store. You can get it on Amazon if you don't live by a health food store. Amazon's my favorite place because they have the cheapest prices, and these are all prime, or you can do, like, Amazon has subscribe and save now, too. So, like, like with my dim, I know I'm going to need it every three months, and so I just get a three-month supply every three months, and so it just comes to me automatically, and I don't even have to think about ordering it anymore. That that yeah. makes sense. Oh, so yeah. I also wanted to hear about your about your book as well because we have to we have to go in a few. But I want to know okay, about no her. So, I, by the way, I feel like we should have you back on at some point. Yeah, she's so like, inspiring. Because this is so inspiring, and I feel like there's so much. And I was looking at your blog, like we could literally spend hours with you. So at some point, like yeah, definitely, we're gonna have to do probably after Ali has the baby, and we're mostly doing Skype things. Like we have to do a part yeah. two. With you yeah, yeah, this is well, so and also interesting. Our listeners will have listened. And then we can also have like direct questions. Yeah. But people know like you're already, you know, known to our audience and then they can tell us what they want to know. So when we do a part two, it'll be really fun to ask her those direct questions. Nice. Well, I have another book coming out in May, so we should definitely do. Oh my God. Perfect. Perfect. So tell us about your old book and tell us about your new one. Yes. Okay, cool. So my book, my first book came out in, um, last year and well in 2016 now, so I guess it was not last year anymore. And, mm-hmm. um, it is called cured by nature and it really, the subtitle I think kind of says it all, how to heal from the inside out, find happiness and discover your true self. So it's my story. You'll learn, you know, literally from like the day I was born to the day I ended writing the book. So you'll mm-hmm. learn about the, you know, 25, 27 years of my life. And, um, and it has a lot of not only stories about what I went through, but it has, the suggestions we've talked about today. It has other suggestions for wellness. It um, has a whole chapter on meditation. There's strategies for, you know, better life. There's strategies for overcoming anxiety. There's meditations throughout the book that you can use. Um, I mean, it just has so, so much. There's like a whole chapter on herbs for fighting cancer and healthy skin. And it's just like, it's everything. It's basically everything we've talked about today in book form, um, and so much more. And the next book that's coming out is called wild habits. And it is about how to conquer habits that are no longer serving you and replacing them with habits that propel your life forward. And so it gives you not only. (laughs) I totally am. I yeah, I'm really excited. Like I'm like Al, like I like I just see her little like you get this is great for a podcast. Um just to give you an idea, there's like a little gleam in my eye and I'm just smirking looking at her. Allie and I also have like a weird psychic connection. Yeah, so Amanda can be open and staring at her without really staring at her. Yes. I also know when she is bad Wi-Fi. I I wish I were kidding, but like I we have this very strange connection. So I love you guys. <laughs> I love the I love the name of your newest book. That's really yeah. cool. Thank you. I'm really excited about it. And you know, I I was looking through when I was first when I first sent in the proposal. I was looking through on Kindle, and you can do this, and listeners can do this, and they have a minute. There are no books about habits written by women. 
What? There aren't. I've yeah. looked, I've checked, at least not like with that in the title. You know, I'm sure there are books about improving your life and improving your habits written by women, but there's like no with habits in the title. There's not one. They're all written by men. And so I thought it was really, really, really important to put a woman's perspective on life and give examples of women who have literally changed their life. I mean, my story is in the book, but there are so many stories of other women, mostly I only use one man example in the book, in the whole book, about other people who have used the wild method and changed their, I mean, changed one habit and literally changed their entire life. And so I'm really excited to share it with people because I think once you start you know, recognizing and changing one, even small little area in your life, like everything changes. And so I'm just real stoked to bring that message home to everyone. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. How long did it take you to write both books? Uh, the first book I wrote in four months. That's wow. amazing. The second book took me about, you know, I just turned in the last edits um, right before Christmas. And I've been working on it since before the last book came out. So like two years almost. So first yeah. book, and when everyone says the second book, like your sophomore book, your sophomore album is so much harder. It's very true. <laughs> I will, I'll agree with that. It's a lot harder. And, and I wanted to, you know, I tell my story without repeating myself, but also I know a lot of people are going to read this book that haven't, or maybe won't have time to read the first book. So I wanted, I needed to kind of retell things, but also with a, this has a completely different perspective. This is the first book is the what. I think my second, my sophomore book is more the how. This is how I did it. This is how I changed my life. This is how I haven't touched a single pharmaceutical drug in seven years. That's amazing. Wow. Title to a business, you know? Yeah. I, I'm kind of excited to read to read both. Yeah, me too. Yay! Yeah, you'll have to send us copies when you get a sec so we can dive into them and yeah and, we're, and we're asking your publicist yeah we're gonna reach to out send us copies yeah so especially when yeah, once the second book's out we can definitely like have you back on and talk yeah about because this is so this is so interesting and also like for us we really like to have people it's like we were talking about like and this sort of has things this sort of your realm but maybe sort of not like we're talking about you know children and like you know, especially with Allie, like going through being pregnant and doctors wanting to do certain things or like, yeah. you know, even like we believe in vaccines, but like, we don't believe, but we also think that like for us, when we, like when I have kids and Allie, obviously, you know, like, well, she's the pregnant one, but I'm, you know, planning on it with, you know, mm-hmm. doing our own schedules or doing an alternative schedule, things like that. So we just feel like this is so our wavelength and totally. where we where we want to to be you know yeah, like you're, yeah, you're yeah. very hashtag goals. yeah exactly and you're very inspiring <laughs> and also too like Amanda and I talked about the fact that like our podcast is really taking off way more than we expected it to in a very quick amount of time and we're very excited about it but we also have really been trying to figure out like what's the brand and like where it's going and what are we doing and we love that like Amanda said you're such a fit because we love to find people that are inspiring and have and that like interest really interest us and like truly interest us organically that we know they're going to interest the people that we have as our listeners. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it, it's amazing. And thank you so much for coming on. Like this is, of this course. has been so amazing and really inspiring for me. Um, because I definitely need to read both of your, <laughs> both of your books. Um, I think that I'm serious. Like I feel like the universe is like sending me a message. So it's very, it's very helpful. Um, I have That's one more question. Sure. 
Okay, so you have, I'm looking at your Instagram and you have like over 400 something thousand followers and absolutely gorgeous photos. So I want to know, can you, this is, what are your best Instagram tips? Oh, um, so for me, honestly, it's really about connecting. Like I've used Instagram, I think honestly, a huge part of the reason, and you'll see like when you look, if you bother to go look at my followers and who I'm following, like I follow people back a lot and I interact Mm -hmm. with people a lot on there. And I've met a lot of people through Instagram. Like I try to tell people, yeah, I have 443,000 Instagram followers because I use Instagram every single day, all day long. I have like 3000 followers on Twitter because I like don't use Twitter at all because for me, it just gives me anxiety. So I think it's about like finding your platform and then putting your energy into it, you know, and just for me, it's really paid off. I got verified last year and like that has its own perks and stuff. And like, it's just been a really fun place for me to like hear from people and, you know, get tagged with people reading my books. And it's just like been a place for me to find my tribe and I feel like people have found me back. And so my tips are just to, you know, don't do it for the likes. Don't do it for how many people are following you. Like if you use it as a genuine place to connect, people will see that and feel that and they'll follow along for the authenticity, which there's just so little of right now. Like I don't do sponsored posts. You won't see hashtag ad on anything I do. And I think that's just really important. And so I think just keep it authentic and people will come. There's billions of people out there and there's billions of people on Instagram alone. So you'll find your tribe. I love that. That's I, that was like the best Instagram yeah. tip ever. No, totally. I thought you were going to be like, use Visco. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you can tell that when you go to her Instagram, like she yeah. does connect and she's very open. And I agree. I think that that is a huge thing for many people when they're connecting with different people on Instagram and when they feel like they can connect and actually interact, that's when they want to be there. Yep. And they'll remember to come back to you. Like if you're DMing with them, they'll come back to your profile. Like I think I get a lot more like profile hits and people commenting and stuff just because they remember because I just sent them a message back two seconds ago. So I think if you're using the platform, you'll, you'll see the conversion pretty quickly. That's, that's amazing. Um, so every, so where can everyone find you? And as always, like we put this all yeah, in the show notes. So people and can, and I'll go follow you now. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Cool. Um, so yeah, you can go to the organic or I am at Tara a Mackey on Instagram and Twitter and the organic life by Tara Mackey on Facebook. Um, and just follow along, say hi. Like I said, man, like literally anyone who genuinely sends a message, I always message people back. I connect with everybody on there. I'm not too big or too small for anyone. So I, um, and I really genuinely enjoy it. And I love hearing from people who listen to my podcast and read my books and have follow-up questions. So yeah, feel free to connect with me on there. Come say hi. I'll say hi back. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you are amazing. And thank you so much for your time and coming on. Of course, you guys are amazing, and I hope to be back on to talk to you guys about the next book and uh, and with your pregnancy. Although, email your publicist and and tell you know, and we can find find a time when you're doing press for that. Yes, awesome, cool, and you know, good luck with your baby, and good luck with everything. And I'll I'll be tuning in, I'll be listening. I was just listening (laughs) to your last podcast with Joanna. Um, who actually was on Live Journal back in the day? I was like, oh my god, I remember her for like oh, the awesome. days and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, keep yeah. doing your thing. I'm really excited your podcast is growing, and thank you guys so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Thank, thank you, you so much. And as we always say, be, be fabulous. fabulous. Bye. Bye. <laughs> be fabulous, girls. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. 
cut them both out to Jane Fonda. One, two, three, four. Get your booty on the dance floor. Work it out. Shake it, little mama. Let me see you do the Jane Fonda. Five, six, seven now. If you don't know, let me show you how to work it out. Work it, little mama.